Welcome to the Hell Yes Life podcast, where you'll hear inspiring stories and life lessons from amazing Hell Yes entrepreneurs who are running their for-purpose businesses and living their Hell Yes lives. I'm your host, Norman Bell. Hey there, Hell Yes Lifers. It's Norman Bell, host of the Hell Yes Life podcast. I am your host and glad to be here. This is the first episode that I've recorded in a little while because we did a batch of recordings back in March and obviously lots of stuff has happened since then. So I hope that you out there are doing okay and weathering the storms that are going on in the world right now as best you can and hope you're here for a little bit of inspiration and hopefully we can give it to you because I I have to admit, I've been having a hard time with this as well. And so our guest today is Brandon Peel. And Brandon is, one of his focuses is on purpose. And, you know, I'm doing things a little less formally right now, so I'm not going to read his whole bio, but we're going to get to hear about him. You'll see his bio in the show notes as well. So we're just going to dive right into the conversation with Brandon. Brandon, thanks for joining me today. Thank you, Norman. And I appreciate the courage it takes to be in this moment with all the unknowns and the messiness and obviously the hope and possibility too, but it takes a lot of courage to not be silent right now. Yeah, absolutely. And let's invite anybody who's listening to this into that, this space of just having the courage to be here right now. So Brandon, I always like to start things off by asking my guests, what is your hell yes? What's that thing that really lights you, even in these challenging times, what is that thing that really lights you up and makes you come alive? I'd say especially in these challenging times, it is the courage that I have seen from folks newly. I mean, courage in general is a big part of my purpose, but right now I'm seeing people risk time, money, professional reputations, organizational bottom lines to be a part of something that matters for once. And so I just feel like like a, a cheerleader in the middle of a of like a forest fire. I'm like, wow, there's everything's going wrong, but there's a few beautiful glimmers of hope where things are changing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There is hope amidst the gloom and despair, but there yes, there's there's hope and we'll 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 dive into all that in just a moment. Can you give us kind of a an overview of who you are, what you do and and anything that you think our listeners might want to know about you up, up front? Sure. Uh, I would say that I'm crazy about purpose and because I you know, know what it's like to not have it. I spent the first 25 years of my life trying to be somebody else. And uh, when it came online, I was like, oh, this is what it means to feel alive. This is what self-love feels like. I mean, I, I think you know, prior to my purpose journey, I think it was, I was maybe six the last time I like, liked myself. So my judgment, it's a profound missing in our society, and it's a, it's a birthright. It's a divine civil right. We all need to know who we are and what is ours to do, who do we serve, what is our impact and legacy. And to not have that, as I did, as so many people who grew up in the Midwest like me did, it's appalling. And you know, it's, it's hard to speak about purpose without also talking about the context we're in right now of a biological pandemic and economic recession, if not depression, who knows. And then also in the United States, we are, we have picked our biggest scab. Incomplete civil rights movement is happening. And I'm so happy that, that this is part of this great kind of awakening, turning, because this is basically America's like 
big elephant in the room that we don't really talk about anymore. And now we are. Let's explore that a little bit. Obviously, everything that you just mentioned is, you know, and we'll talk a bit more about purpose and how you found your purpose as being purpose in a bit. But just, you know, surely it's, I know anybody I'm talking to, it's, you know, the situation in the world in the United States is top of mind for everybody. So Mm -hmm. let's dig into that a little bit more and maybe... The last piece that you mentioned about, I mean, obviously everything that's happened since the murder of George Floyd, the protests, the riots, the response from the police, et cetera. And you've also said you see slivers of hope in there. Maybe unpack that a little more. What what are you seeing? What are you thinking? Yeah. Well, I think you said it beautifully that everybody today is concerned about the state of the world. I mean, there's probably a few folks who are like the ostrich with their head in the earth or whatever, but everybody, it's, it's happening. Like this is like a truly planetary kind of heartbreak. And that for me is hopeful because when we get connected to what breaks our heart, Mm. We get connected in the poverty that's happening because of the recession and the deaths and the loss of life that are a result of COVID, but also the systemic injury and trauma to the African-American community, you know, largely enacted by the police. But, you know, there's other things that are in that too. When we get connected to that, that's the doorway to purpose. That's a doorway to make a difference. That's a doorway to a flourishing, generative, just world. It's a doorway to basically human potential. So while I do, I'm afraid, don't get me wrong, I am afraid that this could very easily turn into a civil war here in the United States. I'm afraid that we could see, as my Wall Street friends say, a non-transference risk, meaning if Trump is defeated, he doesn't leave. Yeah. I'm afraid of a lot of things, but what gives me great hope is that there are more people than ever who are feeling, who saw the video of George's murder, who are seeing in their own families, especially working class families, how bad things actually have have been for a very long time. And so that, you know, we can either respond with uh, escape and drugs and alcohol and media, denial, or we step into it. And I'm seeing so many people step into it. People who have a lot to lose by taking a stand for racial justice, by taking a stand for economic equality, by taking a stand for sustainability. And so for me, like, like I said, I feel like I'm a cheerleader, even though everything looks like it's falling apart. I'm like, no, no, no this is actually what it looks like before it gets good. Like, so I feel like we're on the precipice of a golden age. Yeah. Yeah. It's sort of a crisis is opportunity scenario, right? I want to play, uh, look, you know, my stance on the Helios Life. I mean, the show is called the Helios Life podcast, right? And I, I basically, I, I think I want to take off the, any kind of feeling that I need to be uh, positive all the time, just because my show is called the Helios Life podcast. I've been struggling a lot the past couple of months, three months with, you know, not only COVID and the recent events I have, I've had a, some personal health issues going on. Life, life can be really challenging sometimes, and it's, it, it can be hard to, to be hopeful. And I can see the hope there too. And I'm going to play a little bit of devil's advocate here, which is this sort of stuff has happened before, and talking about the racism and, and sort of it coming into our consciousness and then fading out again, right? And then mm-hmm. the next thing happens, maybe there's going to be a hurricane or something like that, whatever it is that will grab our attention away from this. And so what do you say to that? Does this feel like a different moment from even Rodney King? I remember the Rodney King right it's 30 years ago yeah. and that felt like, oh my gosh, maybe there's going to be some change and, and met numerous mm-hmm. things have happened since mm-hmm. then, right? How is this time different? It's a great, it's a great question because, you know, it isn't in a sense, you know, uh, you could basically think Apple or Samsung, whoever made the beautiful phone that captured George's murder because 
What does distinguish this is the nature of it, the context, and just it's like slow motion trauma. Like I was traumatized. Like I walked around for a couple of days not knowing where I was and how I'm supposed to be feeling and was that even real and like stuff I've experienced like when my when my brother died uh, 25 years ago. So what's different is that there are a lot of people like me who didn't really see it before. And now we just saw it. So relatively comfortable, white, liberal, middle, you know, middle of the road folks saw this. And that's actually what creates the change is allyship. Like never before has a persecuted group risen up by themselves. Mm -hmm. They needed allyship. It happened with abolition. It happened with suffrage. It happened with gay rights. It happened with civil rights. I mean, and so... What's different now is that the ranks of allyship, and, it, and you can see it on TV with the, with the protests, it's not just, it's not 68 Chicago. I mean, it is like a DMV down there. It's mm. Asian, old, young, you know, overweight, black, white, everything. I mean, it's, it's humanity is saying enough of this shit, enough. And that's why this is different. Now, to your point of the next thing will come along and take our attention away, that probably will happen. So we do have a moment in time right now where we can build a coalition, strengthen a movement, et cetera, because we are in a, a series of cascading breakdowns. It began with COVID, then became economic. Actually, maybe you might say it began electoral breakdown back whatever Gore Bush was. <laughs> it just it kept breaking down, kept breaking down. Yeah. And then we had a, a crisis of moral leadership in our country and then COVID and then... Yeah. Economic recession and now civil rights. So, what's next? There's got to be something else next. We are seeing a system failure. Could be food. Could be water. You know, racial war, civil war. I don't know, but this is basically what happens when when great powers fail. Like it's one thing, one thing, one thing, and then all of a sudden, and then recreate. Yeah. And again, you know, we'll get, don't worry, Helios lifers out there listening, we'll get around to some inspirational stuff, but let's just get real here for a second. So Brandon, do you feel like that's where we're headed as a country in the United States that we're in decline? Like it's the fall of the American empire and maybe something good will happen out of it, but that's where we're headed. This isn't like a temporary, like, oop, and then we're going to, you know, oh, I don't know, Biden gets elected and then, hey, we're, you know, we're going to be coming out of this quickly. There are still a lot of folks who feel that way. Like we just need, you know, sane moral leadership and the restoration of justice and democracy and everything will be fine again. We can go back to our Amazon boxes and Netflix accounts and pretend that nothing's wrong. And, and uh, you know, I think it's a little, little strong language to say that the United States is declining. You know, markets and value and trust usually don't reflect the destruction of value, they just re- reflect a, a more accurate, accurate perception of value. So I think what, what's happening a lot, and we're seeing this in consumer spending a lot, is that people are realizing that most of the stuff they were spending money on, experiences, luxury items, actually bring them no joy because they no longer make sense in a context of pandemic, depression, and racial injustice. So there's going to be a reformatting, a deepening of, of value, a recentering of value, but I wouldn't say that we're on the decline. I think we're actually just like getting through the larva stage or the caterpillar stage and about to become who we really are. Ooh, I like that. I like that. Before we move on to kind of purpose and possibly, yeah, maybe this is a transformative stage. Maybe it's a kind of a reframing of what this is. I like where we're headed there. But before we leave this moment, as far as 
you know, addressing racism in this country. Here we are, we're a couple of white guys here talking. Mm-hmm. And I, I, in my own mind, I've thought like, what could I say or do in this moment that wouldn't sound kind of stupid, you know, or, mm-hmm. or sort of, you know, superficial. But you were talking about allyship. What's a way to do that make sense? And I, I guess the one other thing I just want to acknowledge as, I mean, I consider myself a liberal white person that I don't want to assume that I don't have racism in me because I was, you know, I I live in this racist culture, but it's hard because I'm just recovering from skin cancer surgery. You know, I have stuff on my own plate. So it's hard to kind of go like, where does this fit in in my life? You know, I'm not Mm -hmm. dancing on a rainbow here just because (laughs) I'm a Caucasian guy, you know, like, so I just wanted to say that because I feel like that's the kind of almost the unspoken thing that that's hard to say is that Thank you. just because I'm in the, I know I have privilege in this society, mm-hmm. but my life as a human being, it's hard to get through life without you know, some suffering. Anyway, so I just wanted to say that, but what can we do that makes sense in this realm of allyship? Yeah, that is the question right now. I mean, just to timestamp this, this is June 4th, week or so after George's murder there's a lot that we can do. The most important thing is, we're, is that we're not quiet. So it doesn't mean that we, you know, white's plain, man's plain, whatever. We have to share vulnerably and just say, this, this is what I felt watching this. This is, this is how it's caused me to question my own complicity in racial injustice. Even though I vote for all the candidates who do the things that are stand for racial justice, I still do this. So it's telling one on yourself. Mm-hmm. I think that's really important. And if you haven't already begun the education process of the complexities and the history of racism and oppression in our country, that's important. So I begin with uh, Howard Zinn's People's History of the United States, and then there's tons and tons of anti-racism resources. Movies are great too. When they see us, Just Mercy, 12 Years a Slave, like all of these things that bring to life the lived and felt experience of blackness in the United States are critical. And then, you know, I think it's, you know, much like a great Apple product, it's great because of what it doesn't do. And so what's really important is to not do anything that isn't in this context. So like, don't post a picture of your food. Don't say how grateful you are for your wife right now. Like nobody gives a shit about that. What's important is how you are dealing with this yourself and, and being an example for other men, because it's really our people. You know, a lot of white women are for racial justice. A lot of white men are not. So it's really, it's on us to be like, this is a, impacting me. I'm here to talk about it. And I want to elevate voices of color. So I think that's really important is like, you know, retweet, reshare. Anytime you see something amazing that a person of color is doing in this moment, put your shoulder behind it, like risk your own capital so that people say like, oh, wow he values this. Maybe I should be listening and valuing this too. Yeah. And I, I definitely, it's one of those things too, is like, I have had African-American people on, on the show before. And, you know, with this sort of a renewed, like, I want to have more people on to talk about this more. And then a little bit of a feeling of like, well, if I'm doing this now, why wasn't I doing it before? And I feel a little bit cheesy, but I think we're just, we're talking about it. So this is a good start. And Hell yes, lifers out there listening. Let's just break through our awkwardness and start thinking of talking about this, doing what we can, stumbling forward, and and hopefully we'll, yeah. we'll move forward, right? It's just it, it's messy. 
Like you're going to make mistakes. I'm a subject matter expert in foot and mouth syndrome. I do it all the time. And my colleagues and friends and family call me out when I'm being sexist, racist, homophobic, whatever. So just know that like, there's no kind of smooth path to being or aspiring to be an ally. And I would encourage that language as opposed to I'm an ally. That's really for a person of color to say. (laughs) I just aspire to be less of a racist and more of an ally. And here's what. Okay, so then let's talk a little bit more about what you were alluding to before about this idea that, hey, maybe we're, maybe this isn't decline. Maybe this is kind of a transformation that we're in this larva stage and who we're metamorphing into what we're here to really become. So do tell. What, tell us more about that. I mean, it's, I'm not a futurist and I'm not an ESP or anything like that, at least that I know of. But what I, what I do know is that we have, so many of the tools, best practices for heaven on earth, like at our fingertips. There might be a few things we still have to discover, but we've got renewable energy, we've got yoga, we've got you know organic food, biodynamic living, we've got best practices for relationship, for leadership, for collaborative participation, for equity. All these things exist. They're like, and not just theoretically, like we're doing them in pockets. They're just not part of our normal just yet. And, you know, things like purpose, for example, people are talking about it. There's a lot of great science that supports it. And if you want to check that out, scienceandpurpose.org. And, and so we have all these best practices, and yet we have this old normal that really isn't using them. So old normal is an extractive economy that pulls stuff out of the earth, burns shit, puts it in the air, puts it in water, soil, <laughs> sells it to us, then we throw it out within six months. Like old normal is un- corrupt elections. Old normal is, you know, redlining and concentration of wealth within white, you know, generations. And so now that the world has stopped, so, you know, it's even though it's starting to reopen now, but it stopped for a second, stopped for just two months, basically. We get to choose how we turn it back on. So do we turn on the electoral college? Do we turn on free market capitalism? Or, you know, or do we turn on something else that maybe reflects some of these best practices like social democracy or Montessori schooling or, or whatever it is? Like there's lots of, lots of great science, lots of data that says that we could turn it on differently. And so while the, while the forces of uh, entropy and resistance will, especially for those of us who have a lot to lose, you know, older folks with the capital and the power and the stock market portfolios and all that. They're going to resist it, which, you know, no revolution is complete without an opponent. So they'll resist it. But now it it seems like everybody or most people who aren't direct beneficiaries of the old system are like, wait a minute, this thing never worked at all. Yeah. You know, like, but it did work. I still felt insecure. I still felt like I had to prove myself. I still, you know, maybe I could find my purpose and be okay. Maybe I could, you know, do some yoga and make love to my wife more and have a better life than what I was doing before spending 80 hours a week in the office. So all that questioning is happening and it's well over 50% of the United States. Now people are like, that shit didn't work before and it ain't going to work better just because Biden's in office. Like we need a full scale Warren AOC style (laughs) reboot of our model. Yeah. So just moving in that general direction, I mean, uh, let's see, I I lived abroad for a while. I lived in uh, Spain. I lived in Japan. So I got a little window and actually I have Canadian citizenship. So I'm starting to think, hmm, maybe (laughs) maybe 
a little bit moving. A couple hours north might be in the future. I don't leave, Norman. We need you. We need okay. you. <laughs> we need you to stay here. <laughs> so, but, you know, I've seen societies where it feels more, you know, like, gee, at least you have, you're, you're guaranteed the right to go into the doctor if you, if you mm-hmm. need to, et cetera. Yeah. So let's talk about people like even in this time, you know, regardless of what time it is, time period this is, because somebody might be listening to this a year or two from now and everything's hunky dory. Right. So, but, but nevertheless, regardless of the time, we're always kind of racked with this question, like, what's my purpose? Why am I here? What am I doing? So let's dig into that a little bit more. Can you tell us a little bit about that time in your life where you realized your purpose was, and what is that? How do we find that for ourselves? That's a big question. It's very rarely actually happens by yourself. Usually there have to be conditions right in your life where it becomes important. And then you go out and seek it, usually with guidance. It's, a, it's especially like a, an American male delusion, thinking that if we just figure it out, like, <laughs> let, let me just put a two by two matrix on this and plot my purpose. I just need like five minutes to figure yeah, this yeah. out and then I'm good. The thing is you can't figure it out. It's revealed. So it has to be revealed as like a non-linear, non-logic truth. If it occurs as logical or linear, it's, you know, a default or purpose light. Like, I'm going to be the world's best dad, or I'm going to be VP of my industry, or, you know, it's like purpose is not those things. It includes those things, but it is not those things. So we have to be clear what we're talking about. Like, this is not just a goal. This is not something you make up or decide on. This is something that reveals and is born through you. And I often just use the shorthand, it's a transcendent identity. So it's, it's bigger than you, bigger than your ego, identity, race, religion, party, who you like for football. It's bigger than all that. And it does a number of things to you and for you. It reveals who you are. It aligns who you are with that identity. So you start to see where you're out of alignment with your purpose. It guides you. So it's almost like a good buddy, a best friend who, who whispers in your ear, you know, that still soft voice, it says. So it's like kind of the intuitive capacity in a sense. It's, it's guidance from not your brain. And, and then it's the source of fulfillment. It's the deepest source of fulfillment where you get to be yourself, do something awesome, and enjoy the impact. And that's it. So when we hold purpose in that light, and that's my view and also the majority view of the Global Purpose Leaders, a group of colleagues who are practicing in this space, helping individuals and teams and organizations awaken purpose. When we hold it in that view, the way to discover it is through a process. And there are people who are trained to lead folks through the process. And there are a bunch of coaches and consultants just raise their hand and like, hey, I'm a purpose coach now. I'm like, well, probably not. <laughs> probably still just a life coach or still just a strategy consultant or something. Um, but, but, but there is a process and it includes like revealing what builds you, understanding what people who know you best see inside of you. And then also breaking through a lot of the voices, uh, the internal uh, limiting beliefs that basically say, you can't live your purpose, your purpose is made up, it doesn't exist, toe the line, you got kids, you got a mortgage, you got a reputation, forget it, forget it, forget it, you know, maybe one day when you're retired. Like all those voices need to be dealt with. And then there's deeper discovery once those voices are have cleared the channel. And then there's the integration process. So a lot of people stop at that first place. They'll read like what colors your parachute or some other personal development book. Like, oh, well, I care about animals and I care about nature and I'm good at solving problems and making art. So I'm going to start a nonprofit that has people make art with animals. And they'll, that'll just be the end of it. And it's not a bad thing. It's you know? not too bad. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. I, I, 
I might show up for a class. I mean, it sounds kind of cool, <laughs> but it might not. It's guaranteed that it's not the deepest expression of their purpose. So it might it might move them down the path a little bit further, but eventually they're going to have to deal with their internal resistance. And then they get to the other side of that. And then the, the bigger picture starts to be fulfilled. So I was led through that process, basically. My purpose guide, Jonathan Gustin, the founder of the Purpose Guides Institute, he led me through a very powerful process in 2011. And out of that, my purpose actually was not purpose. So it was actually to create a, a sustainable goods expression of unity consciousness. And so I launched this company with a, with a buddy of mine, and we made like wallets, keychains, cell phones, everything from sustainable upcycle products. Inside everything we made was a tiny digital storage device that held the accumulated wisdom of the human species. And so it was like everybody wear the Library of Alexandria, like that kind of an object of wonder and mystical union. And so we did that for 18 months. But what ended up happening during the, those 18 months, people kept coming to us saying like, you guys are so on fire, you're on purpose. Like, how do I find my purpose? How do I find my purpose? We're like, well, go work with this guy, go read these books, go do this vision quest. But, you know, it was just like we were magnets for people who wanted to find purpose. They just kept coming, we just kept turning them away. And then they started not only to ask us, but to say, will you guide me? And my business partner and I were like, we don't do that. We're, we're not guides. Like I'm a, I come from business development. He comes from engineering. But the thing is, because we had that, that who, that guide part, we asked our, our purpose, like, what should we do about this? And we basically said, shut the company down, go get trained, go to your, go guide. So that, that happened in 2014 is when I moved from a purpose evangelist into like more of like a purpose activator. <laughs> So cool. So cool. And it's just sort of organically developed. Would you say that that is the path? It sounds like you guide people through this. So, and yet, you know, is that, is there an organic piece of this where for them to, you know, somebody to find their way to you or someone like you, they've kind of, you know, gone through some sort of a, a process that's not linear. Like, hmm, let me think about, you know, what my purpose is. Yeah. Um, so there is a linear process to, to discover that, but it doesn't occur as a function of the ego or your old self saying like, let me extrapolate based on what I'm good at, what I care about. It occurs by, by revelation that is, uh, happens during a facilitated process. So guided visualization, medicine, ceremony, vision quest, these kinds of things. And once it comes online, you're very much in relationship with it. There's a give and take. It's always revealing deeper depths always revealing like what to do next. And so the initial expression of your purpose is great, but it's not the end of it. Like it will keep showing you deeper layers. Like yeah. an actor might eventually become a director and a director might become a writer and a writer might become a producer, you know? So it's like, you're always, you're staying in your craft, but you're finding bigger and more fulfilling expressions of it. Yeah. Yeah. I like that example. And I mean, obviously if someone wanted to get the full experience, they can connect with you or your organization. Is there something for our listeners to start with that they might be able to take away from this conversation as a place to start? Yeah. First, I would say if you are feeling the call, if now's the time, if the world demands that you show up newly and you need to know who that is, definitely work with a guide. Some of my favorite guides are on a website called bisonmedicine.com. And it's a community of other people on purpose as well as purpose experts who help kind of shape the community. If you're 
leader of an, of an organization, you're like, God, this would be a nice thing to have for myself and for my executive team and for our whole organization because there's a lot of very lucrative reasons to, to activate purpose. You have longer tenures, they're more productive, more creative, all that kind of stuff. You get all that. But if, if you need something, you're like, okay, that's great. I'm going to do that, but I need to start like today. Begin by looking at these three zones of fulfillment. And what you can do is basically a fulfillment journal. Take this on for a short amount of time. End of the day for like three days or, or five days or seven days. You're going to journey or journal what most fulfilled you that day. So what like, not just like I had a good piece of pizza. No, it's like I had a great connection with my daughter today. That was deeply fulfilling. Uh, what you learned. Like, what did you really learn today? Oh, I learned don't talk to my wife before her first cup of coffee. <laughs> you know, like it could be mundane stuff or it could be like, wow, I just realized that the higher end market is going to completely explode in two months. <laughs> That's a big piece of learning. <laughs> or what sort of impact was there as well? Like, was there, was there an impact? Did you do something that made a difference for somebody else? So, so you journal about these types of fulfillment, like the impact, the learning and the relationships. Do that for three days or five days, or seven days, you'll start to see patterns. You'll have to say, okay, well, when I have this kind of impact, I feel good. When I learn about this sort of thing, I feel good. Or when I, yeah, basically develop a relationship, I feel good. And so that's a great way to get the wheel started because it is a muscle. It's like once that muscle gets strong, then, you know, the portal is open basically, but it begins by just asking, pulling the threads of like what really fulfills yeah, that's great. That's a great start. And then obviously, if Helios Lifers, if you're listening to this and you're at that point, maybe maybe this unique time in the world is, you know, a time for you to wake up to your purpose and you're feeling drawn to that, then, you know, Brandon's information and a website and so forth will be in the in the show notes so you can reach out to him. And Brandon, as we start to wind down, I often, even in these challenging times, I'll go ahead and ask this question. I um I often will ask my guests, like, what is your, what I call your cringeworthy vision, like a vision so big it makes you cringe to think about sharing it with other people. I'm guessing a guy like you who focuses on purpose all the time has a big vision. What might that be if, if you do? Hmm. Well, right, right now it's a little hard to feel anything beyond, you know, Martin Luther King's I Have a Dream speech, a little... Yeah black girls and white boys holding hands together and content of their character. And but when I, when I really geek out, which I do frequently with sci-fi, I think about us getting our shit together as a planet, like using these best practices, like fulfilling our purpose on this earth to steward the environment, to call forth human potential in everybody all the time as a, you know, job one, like, not to turn them into good employees or to dutiful, you know, students, but we want to unlock everyone's potential. When I think about that, then I'm like, okay, if we get our shit together as a planet, we can go explore space, not from a place of like, I got to get the hell out of here, but like, we've got love to give. We've got love to give, you know, obviously bless ourselves with that first to get our shit together here so that we can go really, you know, potentially meet our cosmic cousins if they're out there and, and go have some fun. Like just, Go explore space and like have a ball knowing that like we did it right at home. Oh, wow. Actually, I've never heard of that idea of, hey, we're going to explore space with the mission of, hey, we've got love to give. 
wow, I love that. I like that. That's a great, big, cringeworthy vision. I like it. And it, even though at this moment, it seems like, oh, that's just, you know, I, that seems very far off. But hey, that's where we got to start. I do some work around storytelling, like business storytelling. And, and uh, I think that one thing we need is a, a new world vision story, you know, like, and so what you're just talking about there kind of fits with that. Because right now it feels like the, the stories that we have for our future are kind of like the Terminator or you know, like, like it's a dystopian future. And so, yeah, how about, how about we aim big at Helios Lifers? Uh, so anyway, that's, uh, you know, hopefully a positive note. So Brandon, if people do want to connect with you, where on the internet can they find you? A couple of places. If you want to learn more about kind of the broader purpose movement, you can just go right to my homepage, brandonpeel.com. My day job, which we didn't really talk about, but I get to do purpose and inclusion at scale within enterprises. So if you're part of a large enterprise, you know, a thousand employees or more, and you want to see a purposeful, inclusive culture, ionlearning.com is that's where we do that. And we serve great clients like Walmart, ancestry.com. And, and then if you want to get hip on the science, scienceofpurpose.org is as well. And then if you want to um, begin the journey yourself, bisonmedicine.com. Great. And we'll have all of those links in the show notes, Helios Lifers. So head there. Thanks for joining me for this Brandon episode of the Hell Yes Life Podcast. Well, Brandon, I didn't you mention this, but to you know, the even in these challenging iTunes, times, I think it might Stitcher, be a good idea to wrap things up as I usually do, which is to say, hell if yes you like together the show, on the count of three with my review. guests. So we'll and if go, you want to stay connected, yes, on the visit helloslife.com. Okay, ready? And sign One, up for the two, three. Hell yes! Again, yes. I'm Norman Bell. Right. Brandon, thanks, thanks for so joining. much for joining us. Now let's you get out it. there Take and care. live a Bye, Norman. Yes life. <laughs>